Okay, we should be connecting pretty soon. It says live on workplace. I'm going to check. Oh, good, it's there. So I'm going to start recording. funny it, it won't let me share it this time oh really huh that's interesting you can share it after i'll send you the video after all right cool. so um hey guys uh i see a couple people tuned in um go ahead post we'll be monitoring the chat for anyone's questions and feel free to ask anything right where are you stuck in your business a tough objection you have a client you want to know how to build your team you want to know how to work with your admin questions for your buyer's agents. Um, I'm going to now just hop into a natural dialogue. So we were just actually on a coaching mastermind and we're talking about role playing and handling objections, right? So let's go through some basic objection handling 101, right? So when someone has an objection, it's really a thought or a concern that leaves unanswered in somebody's mind. How is your mindset around objections? Amit? Um, yeah, it's, you know, in the past, I think having the wrong mindset will make it a lot worse. And in the past, I used to think it was scripts and just, um, you know, thinking of an objection as not interest, but rather than a reason not to buy. And also thinking of a script to give them a reason to buy. But I think what changed my mind the most is knowing that when someone is asking a question about someone, I guess it's like if someone is a family member, if they don't care about you, they'll never ask you how you're doing. But if they care about you, they're really going to ask you what's going on and they'll ask questions. So an objection is interest in something and us, it gives us the opportunity to get more clarity with whatever we ask. Exactly. And the reality is, is when you get objections, it means people are starting to be interested in what you do, right? You ever everyone yes you to death? How does that really go? Yeah, it sucks because you know you're not going to get anything from it. Yeah, they're disengaged, right? Asking an inquiry, number one, asking mindset. When someone has an objection for you, they're engaging with your product and service enough to the point where they want to ask you about things that are their concerns. So number one mindset is an objection is a thought or concern that's unsettled in somebody's mind. Number two, when answering objections, right? The goal is to understand and isolate what the objection is. So give me an objection on it. So yeah, I, I just met with a seller now. Their listing expired and um, they were recommended to me from someone in Jacksonville for whatever reason. And I met with them. Their house is so different. So their neighborhood has homes that are like selling for three or four hundred dollars, three, four hundred thousand. And their house is listed at 900. Theirs is way overdeveloped for the area. There are no comps, they're nothing. And their objection is um, like, and it's not, I guess it's a question, but I, I, to me it was an objection because I didn't know really the answer is what, how much can you get me for my house? What is it worth? And why, why can you get me that amount? So what would you say to that? You know, to, to get a clear understanding of it, um, did you have any expectations on what ideally in a perfect world you'd like to get out of selling your home? Yeah, I mean, it's listed right now for 900 and, you know, it's expiring. And um, 
we had it for 9.45, we didn't get it. And we we don't have to move, we would like to move. This is our retirement that, you know, we're, we're gonna move to the villages and it's like a sort of like a 55 plus community. So we're excited about that, but we need a certain amount because we don't have a 401k. Got it. So what I, what I hear is important to you is this house is representing your retirement savings. And in a perfect world, you'd like to get to a 55 plus retirement community where you're able to save some equity out of your home plus purchase another one. Are there any other motivating factors that's driving this price that you've set for the home? You know, honestly, that's a huge motivation and that's enough. Got it. So let me ask you a question. What's your plan B if the house doesn't sell at this price? You know, we don't have to move. So we, I guess we would stay. We don't, we would prefer to move but we would just stay here. We've been here 40 years. I, you know, I'm a general contractor. I help build a house. And I guess maybe that's why it's so big in the neighborhood, but we would just stay. You just stay. So look, would, you, would it be fair to say that based on the not working the first time, you'd want an agent to sit down, share with you exactly how they're going to market, sell your home, and also really discuss the elephant in the room. Would it be okay if I kind of brought that up now? Yeah, sure. I'm looking around and I don't see any elephants. No, um, I, I wrote it on my elephant. I left it out in the hallway. <laughs> you know, the, the reality is, is look, like if you could see based on the comps here, um, most homes here are three to $400,000, right? Um, based on the feedback of your agent, have you been getting a lot of showings? And if you have, what's been the feedback of the buyers? We've had one showing in the last few months. One showing. And how does that make you feel? You know, it doesn't make me feel good because that one showing they gave us an offer, but it wasn't even really an offer. You know, we're asking $8.99, they offered $7.25, and then they said they have to sell their house, and then this, that, and the other. It felt like sort of insulting. And, and based on the work and, and what you shared with me, I could completely understand how you say that. So based on only having one showing, one offer, and not a lot of activity, why do you think that is? I don't know. I mean, our house is beautiful. It's nice. I don't know. Maybe they didn't market it well. The pictures don't look good. You know, one of the rooms, it was missing like a cover for one of the sockets and people can see that that cover is missing in the, in the photo. Got it. So what, what we have to do is this and the elephant that I'm going to address with you guys today, these look like it, it, it takes a lot to put a house on the market. It's not convenient. And we want to be able to address to a buyer potentially based on the price today, five to $600,000 worth of value that's different in your home versus another. So when you have that type of discrepancy in value in a neighborhood, right? Would you agree that if you were buying this house as an investment, it wasn't your forever home, there would have to be something about the house that was appealing enough to make you look past the fact that it's going to be challenging selling the home because of the difference in price. Yeah, I think so. I mean, our house is nice. We have like this big lake. We got a good view on it. But yeah, I guess it would have to be more appealing to someone. Yeah. And if you weren't, and so pretty much, so I understand clearly, if you specifically didn't get 900, 875, you're happy to stay in this home forever. No, I'm not saying that. We're flexible on the price, but you know, it can't get too low. Okay. So look, we, we can do one of two things, right? Um, I shared with you the, mar the exact marketing plan we have. Would you agree that this is a significant upgrade than what you have now? Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it, actually. Good. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to review the price. We'll share the price. But I'd like to go this into this with the agreement that 
it, the other homes in your neighborhood are selling within 65 days or less. If we don't have anything in 65 days that we're going to have to drop the price, but I want to set the standards and the expectations, it would be a significant drop, right? Like if you only had one offer and we're not getting any showings and we've done the right marketing, we've extended it to our New York network and all the other metro markets where the buyers are coming from here and we still don't have any showings, what do you think it could be? I don't know. I mean, you're the expert. It's the price, right? If the buyers don't see a value, also given the current economic climate, they're not going to come view the property. So we have two things, creating the value in the eyes of the buyer, which is something you control. And the marketing exposure to the home is something that I control. So as long as we can agree and, and we'll have a check-in before we even launch anything, and we always ask our clients one question, is there any additional marketing do you think that we could do for your home? And most of our clients say no. And as long as that's the question, then you have to control uh, creating the value. And would it be safe to say that I control creating the exposure? Yeah. So what would we drop it by like 10 grand each time or one time? So I would feel comfortable. And this is where I'm going to pause. And I'm going to tell people like, this is where as an agent, you have to stand your ground, right? Like I always joke around on it. And I tell people like, if you're going to volunteer places, right? Because if you're going to take an overpriced listing, do all this work, they're going to always ask you to do all these open houses. You're better off volunteering at a non-for-profit because the people at least appreciate the work that you do, right? Um, so I'd be yes. first. I would say based, I would come back a second time. I'd say based on my research, I think you're going to have to drop to $7.99 if you'd like to at least start to get more traffic in here. And if that's something you don't want to do, listen, our ability to walk away is the greatest asset that we have, right? And, and people that take overpriced listings, look, if you have 15 listings and you're really busy, would you take an overpriced listing? No. No. So there's a bigger thing behind this, right? But if you haven't been doing your prospecting every day, right? and you don't have a lot of opportunities and one comes by you, it's a lot harder to say no and stand your ground, right? You know, it, it's funny because in earlier in my career, we used to call those chicken reduction because the agent is chicken to ask for the real number. <laughs> so if someone asked me for like 10 grand off, I tell them, you know what, let's just keep it the way it is because at that number, you're, you have expectations that you're doing me a favor and you're expecting a result, but what you're actually doing is hurting yourself. You're showing the potential buyer that you're pretty close to the price that you want to sell it at, and it, it, show, it does nothing for us. So we need to drop it 50 or 100 or whatever. And yeah, so chicken reductions. Look, and the, and the other thing is, is for the people that are watching, right? Use, use collections to interpret the comps for somebody, right? Like use those comment boxes, it's so valuable to stay in touch with people week after week, explaining to them what's going on in the market through the comment boxes, right? Like if you're not engaging them on a weekly basis and then you ask for a price reduction, like it's not good, right? The chances of doing it and the intentions behind it, you look like the typical salesperson. Um, it's not the best way to go. So customer service is another really important aspect of getting actual price reductions, right? So there are a lot of different objections, concerns here, right? Like, so we are able to isolate your objection. He originally, he told me that like, I, I need this equity. And then they're like, no, but we could sell it for less, right? So then we could ask you questions like, what's more important getting to that next place? And, and why do you want to move to a 55 plus place? I'd indulge him in this about the lifestyle, the convenience and all this other stuff. 
And then you're able to isolate it against their wants versus their needs. Um, so let's see if anyone actually has any questions. We have people tuned in here. So who has questions? If you ask a question, we'll give you a coaching course. How about that? It's pretty strong. Yeah, we'll, we'll entice the people, right? So um, while people ask, um, while their questions come in, we'll just keep going, right? Yeah, the odds are most people will be watching this later. So that's cool. Um, so let me think of another objection because I guess other people around the country in South Florida, it's a little bit less, have commission objections. That's like a common objection. So why don't we role play that? So, hey, Chirag, thanks for coming to um, my house. And I love what you guys are sharing with me. But, you know, the other agent who I thought was pretty good too, um, he's in a reputable company, not a discount broker. He's saying he'll do it for 5% instead of 6%. He'll drop it one point. And he'll also, if I buy a house from him, he'll, he'll take another percentage off on that one. Can you do that? You know, I'm really glad that you shared that with me, Amin, and, and thank you for spending time with me today. Um, what specifically, if you're happy with the agent, the service, the discount, made you want to meet with me today? Good question. Um, I'm thinking about that myself now as I ask that question. Um, you know, I guess I'm the one, the person looking for just, even though I found something good, just looking for something even better. And do you think better is having an actual company that has a team of marketers, as you had shared, um, that have experience marketing luxury products like the $3 million in your home, market, advertise, and create the, the narrative for it? Yeah, I mean, I think what you're doing is great. And um, the other guy was decent too, but I'm just trying to get a little bit of a discount. Yeah, look, I'm at, and look, I completely understand that. So to you, is it in terms of a discount, is it more important what you pay out in commission or more important what you net? Uh, yeah, I mean, I want to make more money at the end of the day. Exactly. And, um, you know, when we talked about our coming soon digital marketing strategy, how we market to agents, and our whole robust um, pre-marketing campaign, you would agree that having the most buyers prior to being on the market and while on the market would ultimately get you the best price. Is that correct still? Yeah, it is. Yeah, and so look, ultimately, either decision you make, I wanna let you know I support you and your family 100%, but you had said that that's what's gonna get you the best price. And if you wanna risk over 1% on $3 million, right? $30,000 versus 3 million getting the best price and missing out on all those buyers and potential bidding war. Look, that's a choice that only you and your, your family can make, right? Um, a couple of things that we agreed upon uh, earlier in our presentation that people that have experience, like people from Tiffany's, Rolex, Disney, and those great brands that you love, having that experience marketing a luxury product like your home would create the best visual narrative for it. You also agreed that having the most buyers prior to being on the market and while on the market would get you the best price. So if you're willing to give those things up for that 1%, then that and, and those opportunities of getting the best price, then that's a choice for you to make. So what, what would you do? Well, in terms of what would I do, um, if I felt that having someone with luxury experience and those buyers would get me the best price, I'd go with what's getting me the best price, right? It's 1% out of 3 million, right? Like there's a lot of different. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that makes sense. So yeah, I'll, I'll pay more. Yep. There is Any... a, 
Oh, we got a question. If there's a listing that has been up for almost a year that's overpriced, how do you deal with the objection from the seller that this is not an issue of exposure marketing, but it's an issue of price without burning the bridge you have with the client? So Jackson, number one, um, there are a couple different ways of doing this, right? It's one, what we've talked about asking the seller, is there any additional marketing that you could feel that could be done for the home? And at that point, most people at Compass Agents will say no, right? And then you can go over the feedback, the showings and everything else. Another creative way is, look, at some point, it, it's time to like kind of put your money where your mouth is and cut your losses. You could say, look, anyone buying this home today is going to have to buy it twice. One's from the buyer, one's from the bank. Go ahead and get an appraisal, right? When I've had many agents on it where it's challenging with the seller. They just have an appraisal done by a third party, like a bank appraiser. Um, it's really hard to compete with that. And if they can't understand the value after that, I wouldn't so much worry about burning a bridge. I think speak from a place of contribution and honesty and be 100% with walking away because if it's overpriced, it's been a year, unless it's a very high-end listing and the days on market to sell a listing like that can be a year, two years. Amit, you shared with me some developments in Miami take a really long time to sell. It's understanding what the shelf life is and being okay to walk away. Exactly. Yeah, and to add to that, it feels better not to have those listings. You know, like I went on a listing appointment today and it's an expired listing. And I was there and the house needs so much work. And I'm the whole time there, just keeping it real. I'm thinking, man, do I want this? I'm like, I don't want to try as hard to get it, you know? And just because I know that some deals, you feel so much better when they expire. Even if it's far and few, you feel better about it. So don't always worry about getting the listing. Worry about getting the result, I think. Yeah. It's being, thank you. Um, of course, Jackson, you'll have a gift coming to your inbox. Um, so look, in doing this, right, understanding how to have these conversations effectively is so important, right? What, what we'll see is now I have a new, I have a new term I'm going to use for this, right? When somebody gives them objection, they give them the plank in return. You guys want to know what the plank is? It's that 60 seconds in a plank that feels like forever, right? Right. Like, like even in the role play we did, people like, well, I don't discount my service like going on Amazon and Facebook. And this is like this. And this is like this. And then this is like this. And if you discount this, you'll do this. I, 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 I. Listen, when somebody asks you an objection, you want to find out what's important to them and do not give them the plank. Do not give them a 60 second to two minute run on that has four or five concepts. And one thing that's just going to confuse people. You come off defensive, you come off combative and not understanding, right? Yeah. And with that said, I think all the objection handling, the answers are good, but it's how you say it. So like you could ask them, you know, when you, is price what determines all your purchases? Do you always just go to McDonald's or do you ever feel like going to somewhere else more expensive? You know, just if you show real life examples and you ask them the questions and they answer it, you could have the same exact content, but if it's framed the right way, it makes all the difference. Exactly. You need to be, you need to talk about things and have them be relatable to things that they already know to be true in their lives. Psycholo psychologically, it's much easier for the buy-in and everything else, right? Like if they, if you ask somebody, have you ever bought something, right? Here's a good one for you. I mean, have you ever bought anything trying to get a discount? 
Yeah, car. Yeah, and in the end, when you got that discount, did you, and the, excuse me, has there ever been a time when getting that discount, it didn't turn out the way that you wanted it to be? Yeah, I mean, I bought a car and then I saw it um, advertised for a lower price after. Yeah, and uh, how'd that make you feel? You felt disappointed? Yeah, totally. It, it sucked. Yeah, and so like when making decisions, right, sometimes in just trying to just get a discount, does it always in your experience in your life, always just trying to get a discount read to the best result? No, because I mean, especially Amazon, I bought so many things on Amazon. They're from China or somewhere else. And I think they're going to be great. And half the stuff doesn't work. Yeah. And so like, just, just like that time, I'm sure you want, when you choose someone to represent you in your home for something as expensive as a luxury item, like your real estate, I'm sure you don't want to repeat that same experience. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Like, so you shared with me that trying to get a discount has caused problems. It's not what you expected. It could be less like, is your goal to look for just a discount or the value that's going to get your family the most money to go to the next chapter of your life? Yeah. The net, the net number. Yeah. So it's like going through this stuff. Look guys, it is all about asking better questions, right? 80, 20, they should be talking 80% of the time, you know, like, Look, the objections don't change. Write down all the objections you get and then write down what your points are on how you handle the objection and then build in the questions you're going to use to engage somebody else in them, right? And the engaging questions are like, you know, would you feel comfortable and confident if, would it be beneficial to you if, or how do you see this helping you if, or has there ever been a time and then have them share their experience, right? Like what other suggestions would you give people about this? Yeah, one of my favorite questions that you ask is, what specifically, what specifically is it about this? Or what specifically is it that you don't like? Or what specifically is it, is the reason why you want a four and a half percent commission? Or whatever it is. You can use that for pretty much anything and it gets them to talk and then you can isolate it. And it's, I think it's also important, Chirag, like you were saying, to let them know that you support their decision, whichever way they go. Because sometimes if we don't allow them to feel that way, they're not going to tell us, we'll leave. We, we'll think we did great. They're not going to hire us. But if we let them know, like, for example, today, when I, when I met this older couple, their house was like almost 6,000 square feet. But it was like from 40 years ago, nothing has been updated. There was so much room. And the guy's like, do you think concierge should work on this? I'm like, no, not at all, you know? And I could tell that they're, because they watch my videos, they see us talk about compass and staging and concierge and stuff. It makes them a little bit anxious. Sometimes we have to let them know upfront that whatever I'm telling you, I'm suggesting. You can do as much or as little as I tell you. Because at the end of the day, we know some things will help us. Like, I know that if I eat really well and I exercise every day, I drink a lot of water and I sleep a lot, I'm going to be in great shape. But just because I know that doesn't mean I want to do all that. So I ask them, do you want to be in great shape or just decent shape? Let me know what you want to be in. And then we go from there. Yeah. And look, uh, you brought up my favorite go-to question, right? What specifically? I ask you that probably on every coaching call and conversation. And uh, for people that are in relationships and married, it works really well and makes your partner, right? Like, oh, you want me to do this? What specifically 
did you want me to do or why specifically is that important to you that I do it this time? So um, if my wife is hearing me now, she's going to be pissed. And the next time I, I say that, I won't get a favorable answer, but it works, right? A lot of this is rapport, right? We all focus on building rapport. Rapport is being built by asking questions and being curious, just like for the people that have kids, right? Kids are curious or inquisitive. Start to be like that about objections and what people say to you. Instead of focus to listen, to hear what somebody's saying and how they feel versus focusing on listening to respond to what somebody's saying. And, and I want you to put you to all aware of this. I mean, I know you used to do this and you could talk about this. You shared with me, right? Like sometimes when people talk, I just be listening. I just be thinking about what I'm going to say next. And how is it? Totally. That yeah, totally. When we, when we do that, we're not listening to the person. And they may say, say some good stuff that we missed out on. It's like, it's like watching a movie and then being on your phone and then you miss the most important things, you know? Because we're so, we have too much ego a lot of times. Not everyone, but I know I did in the past. I, I think what I'm saying is so important that I don't need to listen to that person, which is like the worst thing we can do. So I, have a, I, I thought of an objection. That we can that we can go over if no one else has anything there this is the last one and then our time has expired for the day so let's make it happen okay sure so you know chirag um you know i've been looking at homes with you for a while and you know the thing is this i'm not sure i think maybe i should put the brakes on buying now with covid and everything and so i'll reach out to you in a few months you know i mean thank you um one for sharing that and spending time with us there, there are two things here that are just thoughts, right? Is it okay if I share them with you? Sure. The first thing is, is look, whether we decide to look at more homes or we stop homes, I want you to know either way I support you 100%. Sound good? Yeah. Great. So look, you know, um, we, we have taken the time to look at a lot of homes. Is the reason you want to pause? Is it because of health and safety or the state of the market? You know, I'm just not sure about the market and what's going on. The safety issues, I know we can do, we can take precautions. You could probably do a video or I can wear a mask and gloves and all that. So I'm not that concerned about that. It's more the market. I'm unsure. You're unsure. And, you know, we've been looking at homes for a month now, given this current market situation. And given that's the way you feel, what made you want to come out and look at homes in the first place? You know what? As I do this and I tell more and more of my friends and relatives that I'm doing this, I have like a million different opinions about what I'm doing. And the most common opinion is like, are you crazy? Why are you doing this now? Exactly. So that was my original question. When you first started and you contacted me and you were excited to go out, what made you want to do this now? You know, my wife and I, we have a, a house that people think is decent, but we want to upgrade it, but we don't want to go through the hassle of doing everything. So we figured if we sell our house and buy another one that's more upgraded in the same area, it would be a perfect fit, especially with the rates being so low. Got it. So you were one, trying to take advantage of the rates. And, and two, would you agree that there's value out there if you're a buyer in certain neighborhoods? I think so. Um, that's what I'm hearing. Great. Look, it's, you know, obviously given that there's a pandemic um, and that interest rates are at a low and the financial market with unemployment at a certain state, do you think it would be, since you're upgrading your home, do you think it'll be financially beneficial for you and your family to wait a year where you know that 
This is based on financial outlooks of Goldman Sachs, Chase Bank, other large financial institutions that we should recover by a year from now. Would you rather be in a situation where you're potentially paying more for a house? Or do you think given that you're gonna upgrade of a million dollars or more, that it would make sense to get a value now while the market's slow and you have an opportunity? Yeah, I mean, it, it does make sense. But then I hear things about like some price points, it's really busy, you know, like I'm worried I might not get a value too. So this is the nice part about our relationship, right? Any decision we make is going to be based on data. Um, and I know we've looked at a lot of houses, but look, Amit, you're really fortunate. Your price point, since it's at the entry level home price point, is really busy. And we talked about, as you shared, the value you're going to get. And since you want to go to the luxury market, the luxury market's been slower. And we could look at the list price, the sales price, the days on market. And we're going to make a data-driven decision, right? So all these people that have all these opinions, are any of them in the real estate business? Um, one of my friends had a license like six years ago, but he doesn't really do it. Yeah. So do you think it's better? Let's sit down and let's set up a time for you and your wife. I can come over to your house and let's go through all the data. Let's look at numbers. And the nice part about this is that since COVID's three months in, we could look at what's happened over the last three months versus the same time last year, right? It's, it's pretty rare to find these type of opportunities in the spring summer market. So before you just give up based on the opinions you shared of people that worked here six years ago, why don't we just look at all the numbers? And as I said in the beginning, at the end of it, I want you to have all the best information to make the right decision for you and your family. So you do get the most value on both the sale and the buy versus just giving up without looking at any of the numbers. Would that be fair? Yeah. You know, when you say it that way, like it sounds sort of foolish to listen to someone who did this six years ago for a million dollar plus purchase. Yeah. Look, it's not like, look, it's, I don't want, I don't want you to beat yourself up about being foolish, but look, I think we could agree, right. That as we want to ask our friends, family, collaborate with people, get other opinions, which is 100% fine, but let's set up a time. Is mornings, afternoons, or evenings better for you to get together and go through this? Yeah, afternoon, if we can do it through Zoom, it would be better. Okay, great. So I'll prepare everything. Um, I'm also going to use the comment box in our collections that you guys have liked to talk about some of this stuff. Um, I'm going to make a video recap that walks you through the market. You know, I'll make the meeting today is Wednesday. I'm going to make the meeting for Monday. So it gives you guys... The remainder of the week and the weekend to go through it. Send me any questions you have and let's just jump into specifics and see if this is the right value for you today. Sounds good. All right. Thanks. There it is. What do you think? All right. Yeah, I think it's good. I, I'm excited about the people that are going to start watching and will role play because it's going to make us all better. You know, a lot of times we let ourselves stop us from getting to where we need to be and I'm one of them in the past, I would think that I knew all the objection handling. And if we record ourselves talking to a customer, we're not talking 20% and they're not speaking 80%. It's more like the opposite. It's like an 80-20 or 90-10. And the second we start asking questions and listening, we're gonna kill it. We're gonna do so much better. When I met my the seller today, the first question I asked him, you know, was about his experience and what specifically he's looking for the broker and agent he's looking to represent him, you know, and then I shut up and he spoke for 10 minutes, you know. Active listening, guys. So um, you make me proud, though. I have to say, Amit, 
has made one of the most quantum leaps from when you started coaching till now and just your ability to role play. But he's really, guys, for everyone watching, he's really committed to this, right? Like I can tell you quantifiably, Amit will create an experience different for anyone you refer him to anyone else. So I like closing for him. So uh, he's orchestrated this together. And so who do you know, looking to make a move to Miami, keep my buddy in mind, um, him and his team cover the Miami area. So anyone, you, anytime you hear the word Miami, think of the Amit Buta team. So there's my close for the day. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks so much. Hope to see you guys another time. Love you all. Take care. Please give us objections. Yep. Keep them coming. All right. All right. Take care, guys.